in this time after Christmas, we continue to unpack the meaning of Emmanuel, God becoming one like us and with us in the world. Last week, we celebrated the Epiphany, the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles with the appearance of the Magi. And now, just prior to his ministry, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. In this very short passage, the main characters enter with conflicting views and expectations. However, as the story unfolds, something new and valuable is discovered. Experience of conflict holds this possibility for each of us to discover a truth that was previously hidden. So it's also possible that this will be our experience as we encounter the story of Jesus' baptism. And as I read the story this week, I noticed a conflict that takes place in the text because of the internal conflict I experienced when I read the text out loud. It's this tension between Jesus and John that's in Matthew 14 and 15, verses 14 and 15, where Matthew tells us that when John saw Jesus approaching the river for baptism, John would have prevented him. I have read this story and read the others in the Gospels I don't know how many times. But this line about John would have prevented Jesus from being baptized just struck me as weird. Why in the world would that be the thing John wanted to do? Wouldn't he be excited? After all, he's been preaching about this Jesus, the Messiah, the one more powerful coming after me, who will bring the baptism of repentance with the Holy Spirit and fire. We heard about that in Advent where John was baptizing the people for repentance, but then telling them, you've got someone else coming whose baptism will be way more impressive and life-changing than just simple water. And then Jesus comes, and John seems confused. John protests, this is the wrong way around. He wants Jesus' baptism. So Matthew, of course, is unique. All the four Gospels have this story of these cousins meeting at the river. But Matthew is the only one that presents this debate between the two of them, which makes me all the more curious why Matthew tells the story the way he does. And I think it comes down to expectations. Maybe in Matthew's community, What were their expectations of Jesus? Which is always a good entry for us to determine what our expectations are of Jesus and each other. And so in the story, we see that John and Jesus have very different expectations about baptism. Because for Jesus, his baptism wasn't primarily about sin or even status. It was something else. We hear it in the way Jesus responds to John's puzzlement. Let it be so. Do you hear 
in that phrase, let it be, the radical consent of his mother, Mary's words to the angel, let it be with me according to your word. Mary, who brought up her son to say, yes, let it be, whenever God shows up. Jesus continues, let it be so at the hands of another, submitting to John and the water rushing over him in the Jordan. Because that's what Jesus did and still does with power, is to freely surrender it, share it, and give it away. And then Jesus said, let it be so here, in the Jordan, with this rich and sacred history of our people. Going back to the days of the prophets, when our people crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land through the waters of the Jordan. This river which began to flow as the waters were created on the second day of creation. Sacred water. Then Jesus says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So certainly being righteous to Jesus means being in right relationship with God and with his neighbor. Being in right relationship with God means being in right relationship with our neighbor. So at this pivotal moment in Jesus' life, as he is about to embark on his God-given mission, Jesus comes to affirm what is important to him about relationships. The kingdom Jesus was to inaugurate is the kingdom of right relationships. And he joins with those responding to John, preparing for this coming kingdom, committing himself to God, for all that lies ahead. Baptism is the act of committing to live as God intended, prioritizing right relationships as our lifestyle. Those who came to be baptized were making a public declaration of their response to God to prepare for this coming reign and to live in loving relationship with everyone they encountered. To make that commitment authentic required a change of heart, mind, and will. In short, it required repentance. And so this act of baptism is more about the response to God's invitation to follow the path of love. So what I learned, thanks to this internal conflict I felt, in reading that John initially wanted to prevent Jesus from being baptized, is that it made me aware of the times I have wanted to prevent Jesus from receiving something I could give, that I could offer to him, or prevent Jesus from giving me the invitation to love and serve and follow. It should give you a little bit of conflict to think about those times. When do we think we know better than Jesus? What needs to be done? 
What do we need to hear? Let it be so now. Let this relationship we have together fulfill what God intends to be in right relationship so that we consent to receiving what Jesus has for us. In this story, our invitation is to embrace the core truth that we are united. We are connected. We are interdependent, whether we like it or not. And to sit with this reality that can knock our socks off when it really hits us, that we are deeply, truly, unconditionally loved. Baptism, then, is about getting our bearings on a storm-tossed sea, remembering who and whose we are and grounding ourselves in that assurance. So I think it's fair to say that when we remember our baptism, we're not necessarily remembering the act of being baptized. For some of us may not remember that. So much as we remember the naming that occurred, the name that is our deeper identity of being beloved to God. So today we remember and declare out loud if we have to, like Martin Luther, I am baptized. Whenever we hear the voices of despair and cynicism and fear that would prevent us from accepting this truth. Remembering your baptism means we get into some deep water. You can't just dip your toes in. You must take a deep breath and plunge in in order to hear the words, This is my child, my dearest one, in whom I am well pleased. These words may come from heaven, but they do not come out of the blue. For they echo God's words to Isaiah long before. Where Isaiah, speaking for God, says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. God remembers us, Isaiah says. In fact, in the text we heard today, God cradles us in the palms of love's hands, tenderly holding us when we feel like bruised reeds and we've been beaten up by the world and cups the dimly burning wick that is our energy, our health, our hope until it can burn steadily once again. Keeping away the winds that would buffet us and try to blow out our light. Because that's what God's love does. It holds us, it protects us, it cradles us. And it is ancient. Before time, it existed. And it's focused on each and every one of us. Knows us by name. simple truth is we belong to God and God loves us. It's as if God is trying to say to each one of us, no matter what happens and no matter how low and discouraged you feel, 
No matter what is happening around you and in your life, don't you ever let anyone tell you you aren't anything but beloved and precious to God. Gosh, how might our lives change if we understood ourselves to be loved like that? That God loves us, is proud of us. We don't even have to do anything except just be. How might our understanding of church change if we thought of ourselves like that? Imagine what God could do with us and through us if we trusted that we are accepted and more than accepted, loved. For there is so much power in claiming our belovedness because once we claim it, nothing and no one in this world can take it away. Remember that Jesus took the plunge right along with us and doesn't send us anywhere he hasn't been himself first. So in this season of epiphany, the season of surprising revelations and sparks of new life, believe the good news that Jesus comes into our world with an agenda of solidarity, prayer, and is standing in line with us, whispering to each of us, we are beloved. When we allow ourselves to be filled with expectation and hope through us, the world will experience that same love that can never be taken away. Let us not prevent that, but consent. Let it be so. Amen.